So we might see three competing currencies, a Federal Reserve, a corporate currency, and then an independent, decentralized, autonomous currency like Bitcoin. This is Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from Coin Compass. We're Bitcoin advisors and educators supporting business and individual investors to safely buy, manage, and control their private keys, Bitcoins. This podcast is strictly educational and is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Full disclaimer in the show notes and at the end of this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, all listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another Bitcoin Basics podcast. I am Ferris here with Gordon. How are you today, Gordon? Good, thanks, buddy. A crisp, crisp winter's day. Ah, cool. It's nice and warm where I am. Now, for today's session, we did an episode in January, which was on digital sovereign currencies. And we kind of just gave broad strokes on that one. And we noticed, myself and Gordon, that in several of our podcasts, we say, let's not get into the weeds too much. Well, this episode, we do want to get into the weeds. So what we're looking at today is the decade that we are entering, 2020. What does this mean for the US dollar, cryptocurrencies, digital sovereign currencies, and corporate currencies? So in that previous podcast, when we talked about digital currencies, we went through the differences between what a digital currency is and what a sovereign currency is. Do you want to go through that again first? Sure. So sovereign currency, or what we call fiat, is essentially money that is printed by a government, printed by the central banks. So this is issued by a government. So what we're seeing is um, talk from some governments that are saying we might go to digital currencies. They're not cryptocurrencies, they're digital currencies. Um, Difference being a cryptocurrency is mined. You've got a whole network of people that are spending their electricity spending money on the hardware. Um, Gordon, I think you've got a question. <laughs> no, you, do, you don't have to say it. Just pause and I'll ask it. This is more for audio uh, listeners. Don't we already have digital currencies? When I'm doing internet banking, I'm transferring money from you, me to you. There's no cash involved. Um, there's numbers on a screen. Isn't, haven't we had digital currencies for like many years? So we do have digital currencies, but the difference is those digital currencies are based on a paper system. So, for example, if you were to buy shares on the stock market, you're doing it online, but there's still a paper trail. So what we're looking at is a lot of governments are looking into the possibility of a purely digital currency in that we actually would stop printing money. So when we say digital currency, we are still um, based on fiat paper money so even we're sort of mostly there because there's more money being moved around the world than the paper money that it's based on but when we say digital currency we're looking at purely digital and getting rid of the paper so instead of printing money we would add some zeros to the uh, base currency the money supply So instead of printing money, what we're actually doing is we are digitizing money or what governments are looking at is getting rid of cash altogether. Um, Sweden's basically doing this. They actually want to outlaw cash. Reason being is from a government's point of view, A, no one's avoiding taxes. And it would be a lot simpler. 
it would potentially curb criminal activity because criminals can use cash because cash is non-traceable. But if they're moving things in a digital currency, it'd be a lot easier from a government's point of view to clamp down on organized crime. So yes, we were basically, they're looking at rebranding. And that's what some governments are talking about is moving to the, a digital currency. And it really is just using a new technology on an old system. It's not replacing the old system. We're just getting rid of cash. Um, another reason they might look at doing it is because sovereign debts are in, sovereign governments are in so much debt. Sorry to uh, keep on interrupting, but I think it's an important point because in my mind, a cashless society, we, you know, no one's using cash anymore, or at least not in five years time. Isn't that the same as a digital currency? Like, it's not paper-based. I just don't see a difference. So the difference being, it's a good point, Gordon, is that when you take money out of the bank, the, your bank has a transaction of that record. The central bank does not. So central banks send money to private banks. You are a customer of said private bank. You withdraw cash from the ATM, you go spend. You spend non-cash, so you use your... Um, Visa MasterCard, that transaction is between you and your bank. The central bank has no idea what you're doing. So what we are looking is at is with a digital currency is you have a direct relationship with the government central bank. And this is where, for example, you have a Bitcoin wallet, Ethereum wallet, a Ripple wallet. You could have a Fedcoin wallet where basically your money comes directly from the central bank. When you spend that, they have a transaction of that record. So the only way that happens now is when you fill out your tax return. In your tax return, you say, here's how much money I earn. Here's how much money I spent. The only time they'll request those details is if you're audited. But what will happen now is if we do go into a digital currency, like a blockchain currency, is every single transaction is recorded on a blockchain. That blockchain, which is a private blockchain, which is something we'll get into, is overseen by a central bank. So you now have a direct relationship with your government's central bank. So do you think, yeah, I, I mean, I understand the point and obviously it's a central bank's uh, wet dream to have that control every single transaction going through. But do you think that's going to happen? Because a lot of, I mean, for example, we don't open a bank account with the Federal Reserve in your country or the central bank. You have commercial banks and they provide you know, retail and business services. In a digital currency, if the Fed or the central bank of the country is basically providing services that the commercial bank is doing, I don't think they want to do that really. They want to control it, but they don't really want to be dealing with like direct customers. So I agree with you. This is the potential that central banks are looking at. I don't think it's going to happen. The reason I don't think it's going to happen is because not because of the technology, but because of the political landscape. So 2008, we had an $800 billion bailout to save the financial world from collapse. And it didn't get through the first time, the House of Representatives in America, they didn't vote it through the first time. The system didn't collapse, but they got it through this second vote. I don't think they're going to get away with that a second time. So this coronavirus, we've seen the markets lose a lot of money. <laughs> we just tweeted about this, that the NASDAQ is at levels not seen since three months ago. So it's not that bad, but lost a lot of money. If governments are saying, oh, we need to bail out the system again, bail out the banks again, you're not, I don't think politically, you're going to get people agreeing to that. I think you will have far more upheaval than you did in 2008. 
So I believe central banks will be far less trusted than they were back then. And in the last 10 years, or in the last four years, we've had three very influential books come out criticizing the Federal Reserve. And people are starting to understand, okay, these guys with their PhDs might seem smart, but they don't really know what they're doing. I'm not going to trust them again. So I don't believe, I believe the political landscape will not allow them to do that. So if uh, going forward in reality, the most practical of what I said is that you have a central bank, you know, a Fed coin or Euro coin or whatever it is, EU coin, and that's a crypto coin. So it's not a digital currency, but it's a crypto coin with a private blockchain. Only they can access the transactions. Only they can do the minting. But the advantage is that they then don't have to deal with individual customers. So they disperse that responsibility to commercial banks. But the difference is they, the central bank can see every single transaction that's actually happening on that private permission blockchain. So let me repeat that, see if I understand it right. So let's say Central Reserve Bank of America launches a cryptocurrency similar to Bitcoin, where every transaction is recorded on the blockchain. Uh They repeat what they're doing now. They would send those coins to, say, Bank of America. You are a Bank of America customer. You withdraw your money from the Bank of America. That is recorded on the blockchain. If you then take that that coin, say it's on a digital wallet, and you go and buy, we'll keep using the analogy of beers and coffee, those transactions are on your wallet. Is that what you mean? It's Bitcoin, but the only miner is the central bank, and the only person who can change the money supply is not the developers, are the central bank, and basically the only one that controls it is the central bank, but it's the best of both worlds. They don't have to deal with individual customers. They just let the commercial banks do that. Yeah, so that is a big possibility and something we're writing about in the uh, newsletter is about to be released is the R3 project that basically a lot of people have pulled out of. Um, so what I see happening is I think we are going to have um, a fork in the road or two streams, actually. I think we will see governments like what we saw in India launch a digitized economy, a digitized currency. And it will be for what you just described, maintaining where every dollar is being spent and where it's going to. However, I think that that's one stream. We will then have Bitcoin and other currencies that will then be an alternative to them. Because what we just described, a Federal Reserve currency is designed to lose value. They want you spending that money. They don't want you to hold on to it like like, um, gold or Bitcoin. So everyday usage, probably can't get away from it. You're a citizen of the United States. They'll want you to spend that money. That's one stream, the government. So the other one we will see is where people go, okay, I'm not, my store of value is where? It's not going to be in the Fed coin. It's going to be in Bitcoin. That's another stream. And a third one, which I want to ask you about, is we might see things like Libra, where um, corporations come out with their own currencies. So we might see three competing currencies, a Federal Reserve, a corporate currency, and then an independent, decentralized, autonomous currency like Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. And that could all be sort of uh, competing, but also complementary to each other. Like if you have to pay tax, 
you're probably going to have to pay it with your FedCoin. If you're on Facebook and you want to buy whatever product or Amazon or whatever, you're going to use Amazon coin, Facebook coin. But if you want to do peer-to-peer transactions that you don't necessarily want to be tracked or for whatever reason, cross-border payments, you might use Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and I want to ask you about corporate currencies in a minute, Gordon, but just one thing I want to mention is another thing that we're seeing is potentially um, reviving a gold standard. And what I mean by that is um, some listeners may be aware of what China has been doing the last 10 years. They have been buying and buying and buying gold. The So Western Europe and America um, and the UK, they've been selling their gold reserves and China's been buying them. And last year, they launched the Shanghai Gold Exchange, where basically what they've been doing is to buy their oil, because China is the world's largest consumer of oil. And to buy oil, they need U.S. dollars. So they're buying U.S. dollars. And it was getting more expensive for them because the renminbi was depreciating its dollar. So what they did is they bought gold. Then they turned to Iran and, and Russia and said, we will buy your gold reserves, sorry, we'll buy oil from you in exchange for RMB. If you do not want the RMB, we'll give you gold. Sell us back those RMB and we'll give you gold instead. And that's going to work out very well because they have accumulated gold and gold is now starting to go up in price, especially with the coronavirus happening. Gold has broken out of a four-year consolidation and is potentially headed to $3,000 per ounce. The higher gold goes, the better it is for China the cheaper its oil gets, and the more likely it is to consolidate its debt. So I, I can understand uh, countries wanting to pay with gold and you know, instead of using petrodollars, but practically how would that work, paying with gold? So the way it works is very simple. So you basically would, um, you'd have to buy Chinese renminbi, and then you, which is, you're just, or you're just paying them in your local currency. So the Russians would pay in rubles, the Iranians would pay um, in dinar, which I think is what the Iranians run. And then mm-hmm. it's converted into gold at the gold price. So if the, gold, if the price of gold keeps going up, China is getting more oil for, for what they're paying for renminbi, which is what it's doing. So this could really benefit China. But this is just something that's happening. I mean, this is a multilateral agreement between China, Russia, and Iran, or sorry, it's a bilateral agreement with the two different countries. But this is one, one aspect that we're seeing. Um, you know, it's, and I was having this conversation the other day where people think, oh, Bitcoin's out to replace all other currencies. It's not. Bitcoin, I don't believe, will replace all other currencies. But what we're seeing now is Bitcoin is one solution of many, the other being this gold exchange that China's setting up. And anyone wants to find out more about this, look up Luke Groman. Um, he's done a lot of podcasts about it. Yeah, I, I actually, there's potentially another solution as well. And this is, we don't want to get sidetracked by this discussion, but we've looked at stable coins before. Have a listen to our episode about that. But there's one possibility I don't think we have really talked about. We've got fiat uh, collateralized stable coins like uh, USDT, Tether. But perhaps a gold collateralized stablecoin, so some kind of cryptocurrency that's actually pegged to gold, could actually be another way forward in the 21st century without sending gold around to use crypto. Yeah, I actually probably would disagree on that because what actually has happened in gold, so gold is a physical, tangible asset. You can hold it. You know how much supply it is. 
But what's happened in the last 20 years is that you've had derivatives of gold. So you might have, um, and I'm making these numbers up because I don't know them precisely. Let's say you've got um, $100 billion worth of gold in the world, but then you've got a trillion dollars being traded in gold. So you've got these derivatives. And what's actually happened is the price of derivatives of gold has actually affected the price of physical gold. So it's this, the um, tail that's wagging the dog. And with China, this is they've set it up so this doesn't happen. When you are buying and selling gold on a Shanghai exchange, you are buying and selling physical gold. It's not leveraged and it's not a derivative. It's the leverage that has actually affected the price of gold. Yeah, I actually meant physical gold. I understand what you mean about the derivatives. I'm not sure of a way to do it, but what if there was a way to only use collateralized physical gold pegged to, say, a crypto? I don't know why you would do that. Um, like To me, it, trading gold has become a lot easier. The problem with gold is the storage costs and the transportation costs. But there are companies like Bullion Vault, Gold Money, um, Hard Assets Alliance that have made that a lot simpler and cheaper. So I kind of don't know why would you need to do that. I suppose the only reason was if you're not using US dollars, but gold is really a currency. It's, it's not so much a, a commodity these days as it is a currency. So I, yeah, I don't see the need for that. I see the need for it. I don't. I don't personally think it's a good idea because you're still trusting a third party or someone to audit that the gold's actually in the vault and people aren't fractionally reserving and lending your one gold bar out to 10 people instead of one. So I don't see the point, but I can see people actually doing that, doing a US, uh, sorry, uh, instead of Tether USD, you have a Tether gold or Tether silver or something like that on a, on a different blockchain. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think some people are trying to do that, but I don't know. I, I'm not seeing the use case for it personally. I see the use case. I don't think it's a good idea. It's a terrible idea because you're trusting a third party and the whole point of blockchain is you shouldn't have to trust a third party. Yeah. So with that, I do want to ask you about LibraCoin. So where are we on LibraCoin? Because I know they've been trying. I should just, before I ask you a question, can you just give us a summary in your words, Gordon? What is LibraCoin? LibraCoin is awesome. All our listeners need to go to Libra.org, have a look at the pretty website. And by the way, I'll give uh, Facebook Libra some uh, helpful grammar checks because there's some spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes on your homepage. So you're spending millions of dollars on uh, doing this thing. You might as well hire an intern that could actually uh, fix your spelling mistakes. LibraCoin, I'm going to quote for their website, is a simple global currency and financial infrastructure that empowers billions of people. Reinvent money, transform, transform the global economy so people everywhere can live better lives. That sounds amazing. So I'm all on board on LibraCoin. Uh, anyone who doesn't know Gordon by now should know that 99% of the time he's being facetious and sarcastic. So can you tell us what, play devil's advocate here, Gordon, tell us what could be the benefits of LibraCoin? Well, I'm going to quote on their website, Libra is for anyone, stable, fast, for the world, scalable, secure. So um, I can't be sarcastic and facetious anymore. So I think the major point, and this is actually in the Libra video as well, is for uh, cross-border payments and remittances and basically reducing the friction of the on-ramps and off-ramps to and from 
fiat. And that's actually one of Bitcoin's, probably the biggest problem with Bitcoin is there's too much friction. You want to get into Bitcoin, you want to buy Bitcoin, you have to go to an exchange, you've got to find a friend, you've got to do this. You want to go out of Bitcoin, you've got to do that. There are also KYC and AML, know your customer, anti-money laundering checks. So someone in a third world country might not have a passport or a bank account. They can't buy Bitcoin in exchange. And if they try and buy Bitcoin by another means, they're going to pay a premium of that, blah, 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 blah. So there's heaps of friction um, to getting in and out of uh, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is great when you're in cryptocurrency. So I can pay you in Bitcoin or whatever, but how do you get it in the first place? How do you acquire it? So I guess that's where Libra is coming from, is to reduce that friction. And um, if it's a company like Facebook with you know more than a billion users, then um, onboarding people isn't as uh, hard as what it is for Bitcoin. So yeah, and how many users does Facebook have? Well, there are a lot of bots. There are a lot of people with different accounts and some of that. But it's around about 1.3 billion is a, sort of an accurate estimate. So if you get just a small portion of those people buying into your own currency, that's a huge um, honeypot for them. Now, legally, where are we? Because I know they've had legal issues. Um, I think the U.S. government was trying to ban it from launching. Is that correct? Yeah, to, to say that they've had uh, legal issues and understatement, you probably have watched uh, Mark Zuckerberg in front of uh, Congress being grilled from everything about Facebook's privacy delivery and uh, even his haircut, which I thought was actually a little bit harsh. I think minutes after Libra came out, or Facebook really, came out with a white paper, the uh, EU, and I think it was the French president, basically said, no, it's not going to happen. It's a threat to um, sovereign currencies. not going to happen. Uh, one of the German politicians said um, Facebook's going to become a central bank. We know that the U.S. Senate basically grilled Zuckerberg. And, and I mean, the U.S. Fed basically said, you know, we've got serious concerns of money laundering and financial stability. So this may not actually even happen. Like they may water down Libra and Facebook coin in the end. And so it, it never even eventuates. Or if it does eventuate, it's sort of, you know, it becomes sort of a nothing coin, like a Facebook um, credits, which was one of their past attempts, uh, which I guess they've kind of abandoned now. So this may not even happen. So we've seen this with Bitcoin. We've seen several governments try to ban it, um, which is very hard to do because it's decentralized. So with Facebook being centralized and that it's run by one company, you can find Mark Zuckerberg, you can get him to appear in front of Congress. Um, to me, this kind of falls into our big picture. We are seeing alternatives to the petrodollar, the US dollar, and to basic fiat currency. So we've got cryptocurrencies, sovereign, sovereign digital currencies, which are not a threat, the China gold Shanghai exchange, and now these corporate coins. Are there any other initiatives similar to Libra that are out there where corporations are thinking, let's just come up with our own currency? There probably are, to be honest. I'm not really aware of any. There's rumors. I mean, people start rumors all the, all the time about you know Google Coin and Apple this and uh, Amazon Coin and stuff like that. I haven't, I haven't heard really any serious attempts. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the the fact that Libra got together an association, the Libra Association, with members like PayPal, Mastercard, Visa, and some other payment processes, and now they've sort of dropped off. 
I sort of means that either maybe it was a legal nightmare and minefield and so those companies didn't want to evolve or those companies are looking at uh, their own versions of, of Librecoin as well. So I'm not really sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, companies and corporations came out with their own coins. So Gore, let's just say that Libra goes ahead and other um, companies come out with their own coins. How does it affect Bitcoin? I reckon this is super bullish for Bitcoin. A lot of crypto people and Bitcoiners are sort of like, oh, it's going to steal the thunder away from Bitcoin and, you know, it's detrimental to Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. I think the complete opposite. It's a gateway drug. So people might uh, use Libra and if Facebook's onboarding 1.3 million users, that's, uh, sorry, billion users, not million, that's fantastic. And then they're going to start using Libra, but then they might realize and people might have their accounts frozen or deleted or something because, you know, they violated Facebook's terms of service. People might realize that, well, hang on, my $1,000 worth of Libra coin is basically at the whim of Facebook and whoever decides the policies. I'm having to go through a third party. Yes, I don't have to worry about governments or banks, but now I have to worry about Facebook. And I better not say the wrong thing on Facebook or I better not share that photo or I better be a good citizen and, you know, self-censor myself. Then people are going to say, well, there's this other cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. No one controls it. No one can censor it. It's permissionless. I don't need to create an account. Um, why don't I just use that instead? So this is amazingly bullish for Bitcoin. And Facebook being based in Switzerland, we know that um, Swiss banks already have a history of not returning money to their rightful owners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just ask the Germans who wanted the gold back. Um, all right, so Gordon, let's just say, argument's sake, Libra is launched. Um, governments either do not or do not attempt to prevent it from, um, uh, from taking place. So with Facebook, the, with the way it works is you basically, if you're based in France, US, and Japan respectively, you just buy Libras in Euro, dollars, and yen, and it just converts into a Libra coin. How would that work? Well, yeah, as you said, if it happens, that's a massive if. I, I'm actually, uh, I, I don't think it will actually happen. But if it does, and, and the details are actually quite light, at the moment it's a 12-page PDF, so take that with a grain of salt. So on the surface, yes, that's what I thought. You know, you basically convert US dollars, euro, whatever, into uh, Libra um, and you use a wallet in your phone or whatever, and that's it. You just transfer. It's just like another cryptocurrency. But actually it's not that at all. And Facebook, or sorry, Libra or Calibra, which is their subsidiary, have kind of split this into two. And the first part is a cryptocurrency. So just like you've got other cryptocurrencies, it's basically going from fiat into this digital currency. So you've got this Facebook coin, Libra coin, Calibra, whatever you call it. It's a token. Um, but that token is actually meant to be a stable coin. And in the white paper, in the last revision, it says that the token is backed by a mixed basket of fiat currencies, 50% US dollar, 18% euro, 14% Japanese yen, 11% British pound, and 7% Singapore dollars. I think that adds up to 100. So it's actually meant to be a stable coin. And so, yeah, you just go in and out of uh, fiat, that stable coin into Libra, and that's it. 
However, that's actually not where it stops because that's, that's basically like every other blockchain. You know, you got 3,000 blockchains with their own tokenized coins. But actually, what I didn't realize and I found out is that the second part of it is this Libra Association. So this Libra Association is made up of different partners. And it's, as, as you said, it's based in um, Geneva. It's actually overseeing the minting, the creation of these tokens and the destruction of these tokens. So they're kind of acting like a central bank. And you have to be invited, so it's invite only, and you have to pay $10 million for the fee. So if you're a company, like, for example, uh, Shopify just came on board, you have to pay $10 million to become a you know, Libra Association member. Now you can decide with all the other Libra Association partners um, the money supply, you know, how many coins to be created, um, the price is going to fluctuate a little bit, so maybe adjusting the supply, um, either creating or destroying coins. And as a custodian, you actually are paid dividends. And this is another thing I didn't know. So Libra member foundation, sorry, Libra members are paid a dividend. I don't know if it's quarterly or yearly. So they're holding assets. So this is not just your regular blockchain with a token. This is a whole nother level with kind of like a, a shadow bank or a, a, uh, a, a private central bank behind it deciding, you know, the fate of these coins. It's really interesting. So when you mention the composition of the Libra coin and its different currencies, it Im immediately made me think of the DXY, which is um, what a lot of people refer to when they're looking at the strength of the US dollar. So it's made up of the euro, the pound, the yen, and a few other currencies. So it made me think that immediately. So it's really interesting um, comparison there. But I'm amazed that they've gone into so much detail with how they're going to mint them, how people are involved. However, the white paper is only a dozen pages. That to me is immediately thinking that this is Facebook commoditizing once again their user base. They commoditize their users by pitching ads to them. Now they're commoditizing them by, or they're commoditizing the corporations by you pay us and we get people to buy directly from you. Yeah, it's quite amazing. And Facebook's rebuttal to that would be like, well, no, we, we're only one member out of 100 in this uh, Libra association. So we have the same vote as anyone else. But it's like, come on, you, you're, you're the guys who control the development of it. You're controlling basically the entire project. So it's kind of like Microsoft saying, look, we don't control or own Windows. We're going to open source Windows and any company can contribute to whatever. But I mean, Facebook and Libra controls the code and, and whatnot. So you're totally right. They're basically commoditizing their users. And it's, uh, to, for me, it's an evolution of Facebook credits, which we use for games. And I think you could pay for Facebook advertising in credits. And so it could be no more than trying to get extra money from you know, all the Facebook users. Okay, so Gore, I think, yeah, um, 2020, this is a really interesting decade. I personally believe on a lot of the research that I listen to, or research that people smarter than me do, that this decade potentially will be the tipping point for the US dollar. I think we're going to see the end of the petrodollar. Um, I don't think it'll be Libra coin. I don't think it'll be Bitcoin yet. I think Bitcoin will be part of it. The Shanghai Global Exchange will be part of it. But we are starting to see the emergence of alternatives to the US dollar. Um, so that, that's where we are, and this is what this podcast was about. What's going to happen in 2020? 
with not just cryptocurrencies, not sovereign digital currencies, um, but we are starting to see impetus towards let's get away from the US dollar. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.